Hello, everyone. This is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 46. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today, I have Christina Furnival, and we are discussing how to teach your children about boundaries. She's the author of a wonderful book entitled The Not-So-Friendly Friend, How to Set Boundaries for Healthy Friendships. So excited to have Christina join me. Here is episode number 46 of the Connected Family Podcast. Welcome to the Connected Family Podcast. I am so pleased to have with me this morning, Christina Furnival, who is the author of the book, The Not-So-Friendly Friend, How to Set Boundaries for Healthy Relationships. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Uh, We were just kind of connecting a little bit before we started to record this morning, and I would love it if you would introduce yourself so that people know who you are and what your interests are, anything you want us to know about you. Thank you. I'm Christina Furnival. I am a mom of two kiddos, and we are living in San Diego, California, which is my hometown. I have a five-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. And my husband is from Scotland, so I brought him halfway around the world, and we live um, two miles from my family, and um, we just love our life out here. We've got a lot of outdoor time, which is wonderful, especially in light of the pandemic and restrictions. Um, I am a licensed professional clinical counselor, and I have been in the field since 2009. And historically, before having my own children, I worked with youth and adolescents exclusively. Um, I worked, I've worked in hospital settings, outpatient clinics. Uh, I've worked at, actually in, also in a domestic violence center and um, for a, a nonprofit in San Diego where I did parenting education classes and one-on-one behavioral support. And then once I had my own kiddos, I became a stay-at-home mom and I started doing a type of therapy in the evening. It was for therapy for me and for the families that I was writing for. Um, I started a therapeutic mom blog, Real Life Mama, and I've done that now since 2019. And most recently, my writing has shifted course, and I am now a children's book author, which you mentioned. And my book is The Not-So-Friendly Friend, which teaches children how to recognize when they're being mistreated and how to set a boundary to stand up for themselves. That is awesome. I was going to mention the Real Life Mama blog. Um, still doing that and growing and being successful and all that sort of good stuff? Yeah, I, I, it definitely has taken a back seat these days. But I do try and get out a blog post a month. And we have about 2,000 viewers per month, which I'm not exactly sure how it reaches that many people, but um, hopefully people are enjoying the content. That's awesome. Way to go. I know uh, I had a, I wrote a blog for a period of time and it is hard to do. It is challenging to regularly put out, you know, good stuff and stuff that just getting it out of your head. So yes, thank you. Yeah. There's, and there's so much more to it than I realized when I started, there's a, you know, and you're doing the same thing with your podcast. There's a little business around the craft that you're doing. Yeah. Trying maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So you wrote this book, tell us about the book and what inspired you to write it and what you're hoping for with it. I wrote this story for my daughter actually in 2019. So she was in preschool and she was just three years old and she had a friend that sometimes was absolutely lovely towards her and sometimes was incredibly cold towards her. Mm-hmm. And I knew that we would encounter friendship problems at some point, but I was super surprised that it was starting as early as preschool. 
And since I've done therapy with kids for so long, I have a library of social emotional skills books. And so I went to my bookcase and I pulled out my friendship books and I realized that most of the ones that I had were more on kind of how to make a friend, the kind of basic social skills. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have books really on how to deal with someone who wasn't treating you right. So I went online and there are books on bullying and there are books on um, handling situations with an unkind friend, but they tended to take two themes and while they were valuable, they weren't the message that I wanted to teach. So the two themes that I saw were the ignore that person, know you're great, know your worth, which is an important life skill. Um, hopefully someday we all will make it there. I think most of us probably aren't there just yet, even yeah. as adults. Um, so I didn't feel like there was any hands-on practicality to it. Um, and then the other theme I saw a lot of was the idea of killing them with kindness. And like I mentioned a, a minute ago, I worked in a domestic violence uh, center during my graduate school program. And um, a lot of the, the victims that were there would say, if only I had done this or that or cleaned the house better or dressed this way, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. And they put the ownership of the conflict on themselves. Yeah. And so the idea of a story where a child kills them with kindness and goes above and beyond to earn the affection of this bully or mean person didn't sit well with me. I didn't want my daughter to feel like she owed it to anyone to, yeah. to be kind to them if they weren't treating her right. So this book is the idea that you continue to be your kind and benevolent self, but you don't go above and beyond to earn affection of someone else. And specifically, I wanted to teach her the lesson of how to set a boundary. And I feel like boundaries are really a big topic, especially right now amongst the pandemic, because I think all of us are realizing how we lacked boundaries with certain family members or friends yeah. or like with the political climate and the social justice climate. There's a lot of reasons we've had to put down boundaries that maybe we didn't have put down before. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely not a topic that is usually explicitly explained to children. Mm -hmm. And I thought this is the perfect time. I want to empower my daughter with this tool that she can use through her entire life and know her worth, also be able to speak up for herself and defend herself in that way. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote this little rhyming story in my phone and I would read it to her and my son who was one at the time and they both would like toddle over and listen <laughs> and it was helpful. And then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden we weren't in social situations anymore. And so it, I forgot about it, honestly. And then mm -hmm. I found it on my phone, September, 2020, and I read it. And you know how sometimes you have an idea at night and you write it down and in the morning you're like, that was crap. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> like, I thought it was the most brilliant idea. So I was expecting when I was reading it to be like, oh, that was good for that moment, but this really isn't very good. However, when I read it, I was, I was surprised, I surprised myself. I'm like, yeah. actually, this is, this is pretty darn good. And I feel like this could be really helpful to more children than just my own. So um, I took a leap of faith and I submitted it to a handful of publishers and the, the publisher that I ended up signing with Pessy Publishing um, got back to me the very next day Oh my goodness. and the ball just started rolling. And um, so I submitted it in September, 2020 and September, 2021 was when the book came out. Wow. That's awesome. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. And just inspired by your children and something very practical that you did in order as a real parent to help your children in a real way. And it's become this thing to help other people. That's so cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. And it's kind of taken on a life of its own. I knew it was important for my children. I knew it was important enough to try and get it made into a real book. And then it has been selling phenomenally well. Our publisher actually physically sold out of all of their first print runs. 
wow. um, which was 8,000 copies oh my goodness. since September till now. And um, it kind of blows my mind, but it just, it reinforces really how important this topic is. Yeah. Well, as I was reading through it, first of all, it's really, really like pretty. I, I <laughs> yes, don't I was call going for that. No, all thank the time, you. But <laughs> it is like the illustrations are great and the colors are great and it has a really nice feel to it. Like yes. soft cover. And it's like, I could totally sit there with my kid and the kid would love to feel it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then the end papers, when you open it, those are super soft too. They're like, yeah. are, oh, it's just beautiful. Yeah. So one of the things, and it, i I was going to ask this later, but one thing I like about children's books and one, that one thing I remember from reading books with my kids was they wanted to read the same book over and over and over again. And they would go to the bookshelf, you know, when it's time for bed and they'd choose a whole stack of them. And it was always the same stack mm-hmm. and we'd read them over and over. And, and I think about in reading those books, there are still probably 10 years after reading them, some lines in some books that something will happen and we repeat the line we're like i'm thinking of good night moon of a book that we read over and over again that sometimes we'll go good night moon and just do these (laughs) silly things and there's a section in the book towards the end um where it says i might even get emotional thinking about this because i'm thinking about my daughter it says she stands up for herself and how she wants to be treated and does so respectfully she doesn't get heated And I'm like, man, if there's one line that I would want my daughter to like internalize and become a part of the story about her life, that's what I would want to be her story. Oh, I love that that. so much. um, I imagine that's part of how it works. Is do you think that's how kids learn from this? What are your absolutely? Yeah. So I chose to do it in rhyme. Kind of that's just what came out of me. But also, I think because my children were three and one we were generally reading rhyming books. And so I knew that that was important. The rhythmic nature helps information to get into their little brains. And then yes, absolutely the repetition. So if it's something that's enjoyable to read for the parent, there's more likely the parent will be like, okay, yeah, we'll read that one again. Versus if it's a challenge or it's just not that fun to read, then the parent might be like, oh, let's let's pick another one tonight, you know? So um, it has such an important message, but I did want it to be, I appreciate you saying it's beautiful. I wanted the artwork to be something that was still lovely, even though it's quote, maybe like a self-help bit book. It's like a kid's psychotherapy book Mm -hmm. and they're not always um, put out there to be works of art, but I still wanted this to be like that. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It definitely is. So let's talk about boundaries. Um, One of my first impressions, or maybe as I'm, I'm wondering about, how this would be with kids is the word boundaries even like do kids know what boundaries are and how do I talk about boundaries with a kid who's young? Right. No. So they don't. <laughs> and I think classically, and I hear this from other p- adults in my family of like, Oh, well they don't know what that means. But I guess my gut response is, well, kids don't know what anything is until we teach them, right? (laughs) So, you know, the concept of love is a very complex Mm. concept, and yet we say it immediately, and we teach them, and they they learn it, and they understand the depth of the meaning, even if we don't necessarily give a definition, right? And so boundaries, we're going to be a little more clear because it is a bit more nebulous. And so with my kids how I explained it then. And then I also have um, conversation starters and discussion questions at the back of the book to help whoever's reading this to have the language to say it Mm -hmm. is a boundary is a limit. 
And so you can talk about a physical limit and that might help a child understand. And I like to picture a white picket fence around a front yard. Oh, yeah. um, boundaries as, for us adults have kind of gotten a bad rap as being mean, right? And, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to set, set this boundary because I don't want to be mean. Um, but so I, I, I'm like, okay, if we imagine a boundary as a limit around a property, we could imagine a chain link fence with barbed wire. And that maybe is how we are conceptualizing boundaries, that it's yeah. like really brusque and it's forcefully keeping pe- people out. Mm-hmm. But boundaries ideally are not rigid and ideally they're not porous. They're firm yet flexible. Mm. And so that's why I picture this little white picket fence because it very beautifully tells you stay off, <laughs> stay out. <laughs> You're not wanted. Yeah. But it also has its gate where the people that are welcome are allowed to come in and out. And so for kids, we talk about, okay, there's a fence around a yard. That's a physical boundary. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about boundaries between people, that's where we have to actually say out loud to them what we like or what we don't like Mm and how they're treating us or other people. And then as a parent, what you can do is give examples. And so, you know, maybe your phone rings a lot on the weekend from your work and you could tell your child, oh, my phone's ringing. It's my work again. I feel like I need to set a boundary to let them know that the weekend is family time. Oh, man. You know, and kind of walk through those steps. And I do it with my kiddos too, where I'll be, let's say, working and they'll, they'll want my attention. And boundaries really are a form of clarity and respect and Mm. self-love and relationship love. And so I'll let them know, Hey, I'm in the middle of something super duper important to me. So I want to give it my entire attention, but I also really want to pay attention to you. So I'm going to finish this first and then I'll devote all my energy towards you. I don't want to give you half my attention because that's not fair to either of us. And that's a boundary and kind of talking through with that language um, is a great way to help the children learn what it is and then understand how to use boundaries. Yeah. And it makes me think about how I want, how we as adults, excuse me, struggle with boundaries sometimes. And so Mm -hmm. if we're struggling with it, it can be hard for us to do that with our kids. And so we even can help us as adults to really clarify that with, for ourselves. It can. And when I've heard that from so many grownups that have read this book is either make one for grownups, please. Or this is the book that I needed in my childhood because now I'm in my 30s, 40s, 50s and figuring out how to set boundaries. And it is, we're not practiced in it. And I think we grow up in a culture where in a lot of ways we're individualistic, but in other ways, we don't want to stir the pot, Mm -hmm. right? And we don't want to make waves and we want to just be amenable and be nice. But there's a difference between being nice and being kind. And being nice is being amenable or obliging, usually to to get liked in return, to be liked in return. Mm -hmm. And to be kind is just to be generally benevolent. And Mm -hmm. we want to be benevolent. Ideally, well, sometimes there's crossover, right? Like you hold the door open for someone. You may have done that out of the kindness of your own heart, which is very kind and benevolent. But you may also, on the other hand, be like, I want to thank you when when they cross Mm -hmm. through, you know? And that's Mm -hmm. being nice. Then you're looking to do it for for reciprocity. Yeah. Um, but so I, I think people are afraid of setting boundaries because then they're afraid of not being seen as this nice person that they're used to being seen as. Mm -hmm. But again, I really feel like you're providing clarity to a situation and you're also allowing yourself to be your authentic self. So you're saying this, these are my wants and needs. These are your wants and needs and how can they coexist together? Yeah. So you mentioned a few ways that parents can help to sort of model and encourage children and use the language to help the children develop the language of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Are there any ways do you think that parents sometimes unknowingly make it difficult for their kids to set boundaries? We kind of, you kind of touched on it already, but 
Any other yeah. thoughts about that? Well, and it, it's so hard because parenting, we're all learning on the job as well, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing our best every day, but we make mistakes. And as a parent, I mean, you kind of want super obedient children, right? Yeah. That would make your life much easier. And so when your child speaks up or voices their wants or needs, it's very easy to try and shut them down. Yeah. The problem with that is then our child learns to silence their voice and they learn mm-hmm. to not trust their experience. You know, if they're hurt and you say, oh, you're fine, you're fine. Yes. You know, time and time again, the child learns my, my wounds don't matter or I'm misjudging how I feel. Mm-hmm. And if they grow up with a history of that, then they're not going to be able to trust their experience to say, you know what? this person hurt my feelings and I need to tell them about it and speak up so that we can fix it. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, and I catch myself doing it too, being like, Oh, okay. Are we crying again? Like, come on, (laughs) let's move on. But I, as much as you can trying to be present with them, empathize and validate their needs and their wants, including your children in decision-making, Hey, we're going to come up with plans for the weekend. What would you like to do? And giving them a voice in your family is, is another way to help them feel comfortable setting boundaries. Right. Uh, Expressing their needs and wants and giving their voice and then respecting that voice. And I suppose part of boundary setting is that your voice is not always the one, I guess, in a family setting. Sometimes brother probably gets to choose Mm -hmm. what we're doing or something like that. That's probably a lesson I would imagine. Yes. Well, and what's, I think, again, kind of going back to the, I'm afraid of being mean situation is so often we silence our voice at the expense of ourselves to try and accommodate or please others. And the idea of boundaries isn't a complete 180 degree shift where you're saying, no, only consider yourself. Mm -hmm. It's saying, let's voice your own thoughts and opinions so that they have as much weight as everyone else's. And then from there, a decision can be made as well. So yeah, Yeah. family is like this little nuclear team where (laughs) you all are leaders and you all have to figure out how to work with each other. And it's such a great practice ground for the schoolyard or the workplace or romantic relationships. Yeah. I I once listened to someone talking about the power of negotiation and how in family negotiation is such a powerful thing to learn how to do because you can't all have your own way all the time. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So you talked, or there's this idea of the importance of boundaries for the rest of one's life. Mm -hmm. Like this is a lesson to learn young. Yeah. And then it really is applicable throughout life. How do you see that? And what are your thoughts there? I feel like it's your lifelong superpower. I really do. Mm -hmm. Because I, if you're able to believe that you matter and believe that your, your thoughts and opinions and wants and needs are worthy of standing up for, you have agency and power in your life experiences. If you don't have that ability to speak up for yourself, there's, there's a sense of helplessness to, to not be able to handle the challenges that come your way or the situations that you face. Mm-hmm. I think additionally, you're going to be more alert to what sorts of relationships are healthy for you and which ones aren't, which ones feel good, which ones don't. And that you have the right to say, you know, what? I'm not going to be in this relationship or I'm going to set limits around this relationship because there are boundaries for your body, your physical body. Do you like hugs? Do you like high fives? You know, how close do you like to stand to people when you talk? Um, there are boundaries around your thoughts, your feelings, your spiritual beliefs. You're entitled to those without feeling put down or belittled, um, without being made fun of. You also have boundaries over your possessions. You know, who do you let you might have a friend that you're like, I don't let this person borrow my stuff because I know it won't come back or it'll yeah. come back in bad condition, right? 
And so you have boundaries that you can set around those things. You have sexual boundaries. Who do you allow into your, your intimate room, your space? And Mm -hmm. then what are you allowing to happen or not? Um, You can have boundaries over time. And, you know, with the holidays coming up, we all have the choice of, okay, do we travel? Do we not travel? Do we Mm -hmm. stay with our in-laws? Do we not stay with them? Um, You know, do we give them X amount of time or do we split it? And those are decisions that the more that we know about ourselves and the more that we trust our experience, the more that we know that we matter and we're worthy of protecting, then we're able to say, okay, this is what I want or what I don't want. Yeah. I think, yeah, in, on all situations throughout your life, I, I think boundary setting is a remarkable skill. Yes. I'm, and I love how you're saying, you're using the phrase, uh, trust our, trust your experience and how it's mm-hmm. important for children to learn to trust their experience and how that propels them to be when they trust their experience it sounds like then they're able to be able to to set boundaries yeah yeah I have some clients in their 20s right now that did not grow up trusting their experiences they were dismissed their feelings were dismissed their experiences were dismissed and now they're in situations in college where they're like oh but you know it wasn't really a big deal but they're crying and I'm like you're showing me that it is a big deal and that's okay that it's a big deal and if that's how it feels for you accept it, own it. You know, we don't need to pretend something's not, or I don't know if I'm overreacting, but you know, those sorts of statements. And I want for my children and other children to be able to grow up and be like, you know what, X, Y, and Z happened and it was okay. Or X, Y, and Z happened and it wasn't okay. And I know how I feel is accurate for my experience. Yeah. So with that idea of trusting their experience, you were talking earlier about how parents can sometimes unknowingly like make it difficult for kids to set mm-hmm. boundaries. And um, you mentioned how parents, obviously we all would love to have really obedient children. <laughs> how do parents t- enable their children to like learn to trust their experience? So allow for them to, you know, express themselves, have choice, but also set limits and rules and have a house that is not chaos. (laughs) Right. Not run by your children. Right. Yes. So I, there's so much that can be said for empathizing and validating and then still asserting the authority that you need to assert. So let's say my son wants to wear, Oh, he does. So this is realistic example, costumes (laughs) all the time. Every day he's in costumes. He's three years old and he's Currently, Hercules, he's in the living room being Hercules right now, (laughs) which is a makeshift costume from his sister's shorts, um, a shirt that has fake chest hair and um, girl gladiator sandals that we had to cut to make his his cute little chubby feet fit in them. Um, So he's in costumes all the time. But so he that's like that's so important to him. And yet. I don't want him to be in costumes at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, There are places we need to go, things we need to do, or when he goes to school, for example, where if he wore costumes, then everyone would want to wear costumes and it would just start a thing. So we allow him for the most part to wear costumes completely at home, anytime we're home, even at grandma's house. I'm totally cool going to the store, running certain errands with them. But there are situations where, but I know that this is really important to you. And so we really try and honor that a lot of the time. And yet there are times when we have to put our foot down and say, it's okay, it's time for real clothes. And so I think if you can validate and empathize and give space for it, even if you're not always going with what they want, it still tells them that what they, what they think and feel is valuable and important. Yeah. So validation and empathy, the big key, as Mm -hmm. opposed to the term you used before was shutting down. 
we could easily shut down that love for costumes. Right. Um, and this, and then the message is that's bad. I can't do this. That drive, that love that I have, or that interest I have is not a good thing, mm-hmm. but it is a good thing. And I can empathize it with it and yet set a limit around it. Exactly. As a parent. Which also is modeling my boundary setting with him, yeah. right? You know, we've got a boundary that we wear our school clothes to school and we wear our costumes when we're home or at grandma's house. Yeah. It's well, that's it kind of speaks to another interesting thing that I've been wrestling with, honestly, as I've been working with my clients in my private practice and it seems like boundaries are coming up more and more uh, in the clients that I'm working with as well. And maybe it's because I'm thinking about this book, but um, <laughs> boundaries seem to be so we can, you know, set a boundary, we can verbalize a boundary. But then I, f- I think I find that people often do push up against our boundaries. Yes. And is it, is it your thought or I guess I'm kind of wondering, um, I kind of think boundaries are our job to enforce. Mm -hmm. People are going to push up against them and I can't, I can't really expect them to respect them unless I enforce them. Would you agree? I mean, what are your thoughts about that? that. Yes. So part of boundary setting is knowing what boundaries are recognizing within yourself your thoughts and your feelings and what you need, verbalizing that, and then upholding that. So there are kind of those four steps to it. Okay. And if, if you're trying to start a practice of setting boundaries with someone who you historically have not set them with, they will push back. Yeah. And it's not necessarily because they're trying to be hurtful or mean, but people don't like change. Change doesn't feel good at first, right? Mm-hmm. Naturally, there wants to be a homeostasis. And so they will push back. And that's where you have to, to make that decision. If you're going to set the boundary, you need to uphold it. But also along those lines, we only have control over ourselves. We don't have control over their, their reactions or their experience. And so I need to know that I'm upholding it in a way that I'm controlling myself. So like in this story, in the not-so-friendly friend, the little girl says, if you're not treating me right, I'm going to go play with these other people that do treat me well. Mm. And you're welcome to join again when you're ready to treat me nicely. So she's... I think there is a line where she says you can go on your way, but really the message is that she's going to remove herself if she needs to. That's how she's going to uphold that. So when you're setting a boundary with someone, you need to know that the way that you're going to uphold it is you taking charge of you. You're not going to be able to say, and if you don't do this, then you blah, 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 because we're not in control of the other person. We're only in control of ourselves. So, but upholding, you know, I don't know how many times it would take. It depends on the person and the relationship, but that also is information for you. Okay. If, if you've put this boundary, you've upheld it a couple of times and they're continuing to push back. Okay. What do, what do I want to do about this? Is this the sort of relationship that I want to be in? Yeah. Why aren't they respecting my boundaries? Yeah. And it could be that they grew up in a household where there weren't boundaries and they just, they don't understand that concept and it feels really awful to them. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, the conversations can be had to kind of remedy those situations. Yeah, that's so good. So I have a, one other thought that's been rolling around in my mind and I'm kind of, um, I wasn't sure if it was the inappropriate question or not, but <laughs> I'm going to ask it and it's okay. not, in, it's not terribly inappropriate. So, um, you have a boy and a girl. I have three boys and a girl. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if this is different from your experience, boundary setting and these ideas between boys and girls at all. You know, from personal experience, there hasn't 
been a whole lot of difference just yet. Mm -hmm. Although my son is more physically aggressive than my daughter ever was. So when he gets mad, he wants to hit you. He wants to kick or slam things. Mm -hmm. And so we're having to set boundaries in the household around protecting bodies and protecting Mm -hmm. property. And we didn't have to do that with my daughter. Um, So there's a little bit of difference there. And as they get older, and you've probably experienced this since your children are teenagers now, when it comes to bullying at school, bullying between boys tends to be more physical or aggressive Mm -hmm. and between girls it tends to go more under the radar like rumors or social manipulation and so it it is a little different because a boy might need to defend his body physically and then he might need to involve the school officials or his parents a girl may be able to use her words to, to terminate some of the behaviors or she still may have to get support from the grownups too. And actually mm-hmm. that's a really good part of the conversation about boundary setting in light of bullying situations is we want our kids to be able to speak up for themselves and defend themselves. But we also want them to know that they should go to an adult. They should come to you or to a teacher or a school counselor because most schools now have programs to support them and to, to handle the situation appropriately. And yeah. I know a lot of kids don't come out with reporting because they're afraid to make things worse. But I think nowadays that's less likely to happen. Um, so that's important information to, to speak about early on with your kiddos as well. If you ever are in a situation where you're not being treated right or you feel like you're being bullied, speak to me because I can help you and I will make it better. Yeah. I, I appreciate that you mentioned because the, the word bully is in the, is in the book. And mm-hmm. so you brought it up and one thing I was thinking about there was as I've, so I've done some reading about bullying, you know, I've worked with kids who've been bullied and tried to help them. And also I've worked with the bullies mm-hmm. uh, and trying to help them. And one of the things that I've been frustrated by sometimes with bullying literature and the work that's done is that it, it often focuses on the bully. And what I have felt and believed is that one of the solutions is to strengthen the person who is being bullied. And I feel in some ways that your book is about strengthening the person mm-hmm. who has the boundary is whose boundaries are being crossed, which is in some ways strengthening the person who is being bullied. Right. It's yeah. So the, there's research. Um, the first research on bullying was done in the seventies by a psychologist in Norway. And he found that there were common characteristics of of children that were being bullied and they were, the child was submissive. They might not have a large friend group. They might have depression or anxiety. They might be more shy. And he said in his, in his research, he wasn't sure if that was a cause of bullying or a consequence of bullying. So the, my thought in writing this story as well was about, we want to prevent bullying and we want to minimize the impact of bullying. And so on the front end, if we can strengthen our kids' sense of self and their robustness and their willingness to speak up for themselves on the front end, they might be less likely to be targeted by a bully. And then on the other side, if they are targeted by a bully, they're going to be more confident to speak out and get help and yeah. stand up for themselves in that way. Um, so yeah, it's I, you know, we don't, it's such a fine line because you don't want a victim shame. You don't want someone who's right. being bullied to feel like the onus is on them to right. solve the problem, but we do want to strengthen them and hopefully maybe minimize the risk that they'll be bullied. Yeah. That a whole idea again of uh, trusting their experience and having that voice to be able to follow and express that experience seems to be yeah. an important key. Now, did I answer your question about boys and girls and the difference or what are, what's your experience been that, that makes <clears throat> you ask about that? Um, well, I think the whole, the difference between, um, 
my, my boys are much more physical. And mm-hmm. I think as my daughter gets older, it becomes, um, let not so there's not physical conflict in relationships for her. It is more, um, verbal and emotional and, um, challenges related to the different constellations of friends mm-hmm. and groups and that, how that shifts and changes. And so, I think she navigates that pretty decently, but I could see how it's probably got to be, it's a whole different challenge than the physical challenges that my boys encounter. It is because it, yeah, it's, it's discreet, right? Mm -hmm. So it's hard, it's intangible and it's hard to put your finger on the pulse. Um, I think again, this is another great topic of conversation with your kids is what is friendship? What does good friendship look like? What does not Mm -hmm. good friendship look like? And also friendship, I think informing your children that friendship can have seasons. Friendship can have timelines. You know, there are some friends that are your friends for riding your bicycle. You just Mm -hmm. love riding your bicycle with them, but maybe they're not your watch a movie friend. You know, Mm -hmm. there are different shapes of friendship. And I think that's important to know because sometimes our children go all in thinking that this current best friend is going to be their friend for the rest of their lives. And it's going to be amazing. And then they have a fallout and it's just so heartbreaking. And so if we can let them know kind of ahead of time that, you know, maybe this is the end of that friendship or maybe it's just a season. It's going to go into winter for a bit and then it's going to come back in the spring and everything will be okay. And that speaks to the, there was a question I was thinking of how, how do we as parents help our children, children navigate those difficult things? Um, Thoughts about, okay, when my child has a fallout, what do I do? How do I talk through them with that? Right. Well, back to the same two things I was saying before, just empathize and validate. You know, they want to know that when they come to you, that you listen. And that you hear them. And, you know, we tend to fix, right? We want, we're like, I'm going to fix this for you so you don't feel any pain. Mm -hmm. Um, But oftentimes that's not helpful and they just want to be heard. And I think you and I probably have some hopefully better skills in that space because that's what we do professionally. But even, you know, we have our own blind spots and and personally, it's not easy to apply those sorts of things. But yeah, if we can just be there for them. And then, yes. you know, use a book like this or have conversation, you know, depending what they're experiencing, you can mm-hmm. make the right choices about how you're going to help them. Yeah, man, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much for this conversation and just the opportunity to meet you and connect about this topic. Is there, I know, I believe in reading that there's like a series of books that you're going to do. And so tell us about that and how people could find those books and other, how they could find you in other ways as well. Thank you. This has been so much fun. I love, love talking with you. So The Not-So-Friendly Friend is the first book in the Capable Kiddos series. And that was kind of my ideas. And I know it's one of your goals is to help children be resilient. And so Mm -hmm. I I have the same idea with this book series is I want children to feel capable to handle whatever life throws their way. So this Friendship and Boundaries book is the first one. The second book is about navigating anxiety and fear. And that is the illustrator's hard at work. Same same illustrator, Katie Dwyer. Um, a little different style because obviously it's a different topic, but I'm really excited about it. And that should be out in the spring. Wow. And then the third book, I don't have written yet, but I have the idea. And I think I want it to be a growth mindset type of book with a focus on our inner voice and how we talk to ourselves. Awesome. So yeah, that's the the start of the Capable Kiddos series. And um, right now it's sold on Amazon. It's sold on Barnes & Noble online and Target online. And if you wanted a signed copy, you can go to christinafurnival.com slash books and order there. Um, And you can find me if you want to talk to me at christinafurnival.com. 
as well as on Instagram. I have two accounts. One is my therapeutic motherhood account, which is this is real life mama. And then my capable kiddos books account. So it's at capable kiddos books. Well, I'm going to put a plug in for when the other books come out that hopefully you would come back and we could talk about those books as well. I would love to. And that would be lots of fun. And, um, it'd be an honor to be help you to be able to share that those books and help spread the word about how to do that with people. So hopefully. Thank you so much. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, It's been a pleasure and real blessings on how the book goes and everything you do with that. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the connected family podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about how to teach your kids regarding boundaries, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources, discussion regarding episode topics, and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at connectionsquincy.com.